every boxer that competes in haymakers, they have a fighter page. You can read a little bit about them and you can donate. I like your quote, cancer is a word, not a sentence. Being a cancer survivor, that there's something about that that really struck me. Why did that speak to you? For two of my friends, cancer was fatal. My two mentors in advertising, I lost them both. And I heard it at their funeral. I remember hearing it at a moment where I thought it was the end. And in their kids, in their husband, in the work they did to promote a legacy that was bigger than them, I realized that even for people who don't make it, it isn't a sentence and it isn't the end. And there were so many people at their funeral who had survived cancer, who had been part of their groups, who had been part of their therapy, who had gone on. And just to hear their powerful, t- I mean, that was the moment that got me off my ass. From Haymakers for Hope, this is not every fight ends at the bell. Haymakers for Hope exists to knock out cancer the only way we know how. Fighting for a cure through charity boxing. Thanks to generous supporters and more than 1,000 ass-kicking do-gooders, Haymakers has raised over $22 million for cancer research, care, awareness, and survivorship. But the March Towards a Cure continues long after the last bell of each event. I'm Julie Kelly. I'm Todd Buster Paris. We know firsthand because we are not just your hosts, we are also survivors. On this podcast, we will highlight the stories of fighters, survivors, organizations, and supporters. Not every fight ends at the bell. Round one. On this episode, we speak with Johnny on the spot Halverson. Halvo fought in our 2016 event at the Hammerstein Ballroom in New York City. Training at a Church Street boxing gym, he raised over $30,000. Halvo, welcome to the show. What we're going to do today is we have sort of three rounds that we're going to be going through. We're going to be talking about boxing. We're going to be talking about your connection to the cause. And then we're going to be talking about after the bell, about life after Haymakers and how Haymakers has affected you. The first thing that we'll talk about will be your boxing. So even before we get to the actual match, how did you hear about Haymakers? So I went to a Haymakers event. I think like a lot of the people who ultimately fight in Haymakers, almost all of us are touched by someone in cancer. Everyone knows someone who's impacted by cancer. Everyone's been impacted by this terrible disease. And I had a chance to be introduced to Haymakers for Hope because my good friend Joe Marchese had fought a few years before. And I remember being at that event, seeing it and be like, wow, I, I can't imagine doing that. But yet there's this moment in the night where you go, I still want to be a part of this because you see how people are making a tangible difference. You see the excitement people have for it. And when you talk to your friend afterwards, they're like, that was one of the best three days of my life ranks right up there with meeting his wife and getting married. And I'm glad he put it in the appropriate order and sequence. But when you see someone who has done so many things talk about his journey and that, you can't help but want to do that to make an impact on this terrible disease and help fight this cause. A lot of people have felt that way, that they've been influenced or you know inspired by friends. John, you're a big guy. You're six foot five. Yeah. So were you at all as you're thinking about this, thinking, well, I'm going to be matched up with someone probably around six foot five. Was that a little bit daunting for you? Yeah. I mean, 
I think that ultimately you're just going for it. I, I think that when you sign up for something like this, you know, you put your trust in the organization. You know, everyone's starting at the same place. I mean, you start there day one, everyone's at ground one. I don't think there's anyone who walks in the room who's done this, who's been boxing for two years. You know, everyone's at ground one and I think it's an even playing field. And so, yeah, there's other people my size, but I care about this cause. I care about this more than the other guy. And that's what's going to cause me to wake up 10 minutes earlier, to train one extra day, to do those 15 extra push-ups to work on that jab an extra hour. And, and that's what propels you forward. So I don't care if the guy is five foot two, six foot seven, 210, 280. Like ultimately it's going to be about who cares more and I'll be damned if you're going to beat me at caring more. I like that. And in terms of, so obviously you hadn't boxed before this. Never. I've, I've like thrown a punch. Okay. Never thrown a punch. So, like never thrown a punch. Worked as a bouncer, but never like, Threw a punch in the entire four years that I worked. Yeah, usually, six foot five guys never have to throw that punch. They usually just have to show no, up. They just stare. So, how did you wind up at Church Street Boxing? I tell you what, like when I went to the first event, I was just like, "Look, where do people go? Like, who do you recommend?" And again, I put myself in the trust of the organization. I talked to Julie, I talked to Andrew, and I said, "Where do you go?" And ultimately, they all recommended Church Street. And my coach, Action Jackson, who's well into, you know, well, a veteran of coaching, worked with a lot of different fighters. And I remember the first time I walked through the door, you know, I'm like, hey, I'm here to search for Action Jackson. <laughs> and they all pointed to an elderly gentleman over the corner, buff as hell. He's jacked. I mean, literally in his 60s with a six pack, absolutely killing over the side. He's like, I guess, you know, they didn't send me the good ones. They just sent me what I got. And, you know, like, and it starts from there. And it's just that journey you go on. But it, it starts by putting your faith in an organization. I had never been in a boxing gym. I'd never thrown a punch, didn't know a coach. It, it's from scratch. But you put yourself in the faith of the organization, and you know, they want me to succeed. So it's your first time being in a boxing gym. What were, like, what were some of the things that you had to either overcome or what were some of the things that you're like, God, I never knew it would be like this. I mean, I think there's a few key moments. There's that first moment, you know, where coach drops that medicine ball on your stomach. And so it's just like, then you're doing the ab work. I think there's that first moment you get hit by your coach. Okay. Right. And you figure out a lot because it's not in life that everyone gets hit in their day-to-day -day lives. I mean, it's not something you experience every day. Some people go through their whole life never being punched in the face. And I remember getting hit in the face and it's a moment that tells you a lot about who you are. And I remember my coach stopping. I was like, oh, and he's, and I was just like, you know, there's no timeouts in this sport. And he's just like, grabs me by my shoulders. He goes, you got hit. He goes, are you hurt? Are you devastated? Do I need to take you to the hospital? He goes, no. So push through. He's like, you are not stopping unless I have to take you to the hospital and you do not have to go to the hospital. So it ain't that bad. And you just really learn that getting punched isn't that bad. And it's not devastating. It's not crushing. And you push forward. So I think there's that moment. There's the first moment you're sparring with some guy who's not your coach because that guy is really out to go hurt you, you know? And he's been told you're a rookie. And I, mm. I sparred with guys who were super advanced, who gave me space, let me work it. And they were shorter, they were taller, they were bigger, they left. But it's not your coach. And that's a big moment when you move beyond that sphere and you really start to experience on a different level. And that's new 
experiences for absolutely everyone. Now, Todd, despite the fact that Halvo is saying that, you know, he's he had never been in a fight, he had never thrown a punch, he's not really foreign to an endurance event or being pushed to a limit because he has... Why don't we tell Todd and everyone what you also have done outside of boxing in terms of triathlons and marathons. Yeah, and so so he's done an Ironman. Iron so. Man at like 190 pounds, gone out there. I trained, decided I wanted to do an Ironman, and a year later went wait, out wait, and wait, wait, had to learn Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you said, I heard, I heard the number, 190 pounds. What about 190 pounds? I was 190 pounds when I did an Ironman. Okay. And I was getting my EMBA, and a year later I fought in Haymakers at 2.30. I mean, but you had to, I, one, I bulked up. Two, I wasn't wondering because a ski instructor because, I mean, I wasn't going to fight it that way. I mean, that's not a, that's a, that's an Ironman triathlon weight. That's wow. not lifting weights. That's not throwing punches. Some people lose weight. Some people gain weight. Like, you know, but like I filled back into my six foot five frame, but you know, like I, I've done an Ironman. I've done Haymakers. I've, you know, but those are, powerful experiences of that are different. But I mean, I would tell you, like, I take more pride. People, when people ask me, like, what I've accomplished athletically, I talk about haymakers more than I ever talk about my iron. That's that's interesting. So as as we move on through our boxing talks, I don't want to spend too, too much time talking about boxing. Yeah. I want to talk about your actual match. So I watched yep. your match and normally it was... I really, really enjoyed it. You move for a big guy. You, you, you reminded me of Tyson Fury. You moved <laughs> really, really well. Great jab, phenomenal head movement. What, what do you remember about that night? I mean, I just remember, you know, just the excitement of walking out there. I mean, I had so many of my friends out there and I fought late. So I got to hear the crowd and rumble it. And I just remember keeping that calm and it just builds and builds throughout the night and you get out there. And I remember being in the back room. I can tell you the smell of Hammerstein ballroom that night. And, you know, my coach and I are just working that jab. And he's like, all right. He's like, what do we work on? What are we, you know, our strengths? And, you know, my, for a big guy, I move really fast. Yeah, I have fast footwork. I was going to move my head. We worked on defense. Coach is like, look, you know, we're not, we have a long jab radius. We are not letting this guy close. And if he gets close, he's going to pay. And I was just going to throw jabs all night and keep him away and just find those spots. And I think in the middle of a fight, it slows down for you. Mm. And there's just this moment where as you're moving your head, you're seeing it going there. You're seeing the opportunities. And it was going to go the distance. That guy is tough. Yeah. He's well coached. Yeah. He's a great opponent. And it's for real. This is what you've trained for. This is what you've done the push-ups for. This is what you've done the cost for. And I, and you remember what you're going to fight yeah. for. What are you there for? Why do you care? You know, because you don't do this if you don't care. And I think everyone cares, but you got to care more. And it's not because of your ego or your prestige. Those guys won't win. It's because you're just going to hold your glove. Because people don't realize the intensity of a two-minute round. Yeah. I have run an Ironman. I've done marathons. I have done swim two and a half miles. I have done everything. There is nothing that prepares you for one two-minute round because it is fight or flight. It is all in. And, you know, you're going to do three rounds of this, and I'll be damned. You put those gloves down for one minute, you are kissing canvas. Yeah. And particularly in my weight class. So anyone can win on one punch, 
And so you have got to be all in, all focused, and you have to have a plan and you are playing to win. Because if you are playing to be safe, you are going to lose. If you are not paying attention, you are going to get knocked out. And you care too much to let that happen. When we return for round two, we speak with Halvo about where he first heard the quote that was on his fighter page and how it pushed him to do his part to fight against cancer as a fighter and a member of the Haymakers for Hope board. Not Every Fight Ends at the Bell is presented by Haymakers for Hope. To donate, sponsor, attend an event, or better yet, to sign up to be one of our ass-kicking do-gooders, visit haymakersforhope.org. Round two. Let's talk about the care too much to let that happen. Every boxer that competes in haymakers, they have a page, a fighter page, they call it, that you go to. You can read a little bit about them and you can donate. I like your quote. Cancer is a word, not a sentence. And I hadn't heard that before. And being a cancer survivor, that there's something about that that really struck me. Why did that speak to you? I lost... Uh... For two of my friends, cancer was fatal. My two mentors in advertising, I lost them both, two of my mentors, uh, to cancer. And I heard it at their funeral. I mean, I remember hearing it at their funeral at a moment where I thought it was the end. And in their kids, in their husband, in the work they did to promote a legacy that was bigger than them, I realized that even for people who don't make it, there isn't, it isn't a sentence and it isn't the end. And there were so many people at their funeral who had survived cancer, who had been part of their groups, who had been part of their therapy, who had gone on. And just to hear their powerful, t- I mean, that was the moment that got me off my ass. Okay. I mean, it was literally the spring of, yeah, it was in, in that, that I, that I signed up. I mean, I remember coming out of that funeral and just being like, I want to do something. I had recalled being back at that moment and being at that. And I'm like, I have to do that. And I wasn't going to leave Andrew or anyone at Haymakers alone until they took me. Okay. I I wasn't going to leave them alone. And I just really believed that, again, it was just that powerful moment. Even when someone's gone, cancer isn't a sentence. And there is something that goes so much further in their legacy and in their kids, watching them grow up to this day. I see that it's so much bigger. I'm a little speechless at the moment. I, 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 thank you for sharing that. I, I, Thank you for sharing that. I, 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 you know, I've got a little feelings at the moment, so I'm with you there. That's a big connection to the cause. That's a big drive to compete. That's a big drive to do what it is that you've done. You're on the board of Haymakers. Can you tell me a little bit about that? I harass Andrew every single day after I got done. So I, I chased him. I think that one of the powerful things about Haymakers, and I talk about this with anyone who fights, is You give your time to a lot of organizations and some things end at the moment. Mm. I think what's powerful about this organization is we will give back everything you put in tenfold and it doesn't really stop when it's over. And I think that there were some opportunities to contribute and what we were doing in marketing, how we were thinking about events, just thinking about the expansion plan. And it's just been amazing. And it's really nice to just an organization that you do something with. When I got done running in Ironman, it was over. Right. And it's done. But, you know, Haymaker's been a journey that's been able to continue. And being a part of the board, I've just seen it expand to new cities, DC, 
Denver. I've seen all the amazing places that Jordan's taking the marketing and it's just like whole other level versus where we were in the beginning right. uh, to now is just really cool. Julie, not to put you on the spot, but this is sure. this is all, you know, you and Andrew created this. Like John's not alone. Like I know for me being, you know, being a coach that has brought boxers into the organization to, to allow them to have the opportunity to literally fight to raise money for, for treatment, for a cause, for a cure. And John's right. Most things stop in the moment. And you and Andrew have not only created, but given us something that keeps going. I don't mean to embarrass you, but it's really remarkable and just, no, no. It's, it's really something that we're all really grateful for. Thank you. I think boxing as a sport can, I mean, it certainly impacted my life. I've said this before, but like no one ever says like, oh, I was lucky to get cancer. But if I had never gotten sick and never gone through treatment, I would probably have never gotten into boxing. Same. I wouldn't have had that kind of that bottomless pit of sadness that I just couldn't crawl out of myself. And I was lucky that I found boxing and that I poured myself into it. And it's one of those sports that consumes you. And once you're lucky enough to have it just take take over, to be able to introduce it to other people. Mm. And then also on my end, as a cancer survivor, to know I'm healthy. I'm healthy enough to get in a ring to continue to fight. I'm healthy enough to 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 fight and to make it to the finals in Madison Square Garden. So it's to be able to do something to pay it forward and introduce a sport that completely changed my life and put me on the right path and allowed me to find my purpose. It gets me out of bed every single day. It makes me happy. It just fulfills me. And to know that other people can participate in Haymakers and challenge themselves, let's be honest, not a lot of people are boxers right. or have ever had a competitive bout amateur. So that pool is pretty small. Yeah. But to do it not purely driven by competition, to do it out of the goodness of your heart because you've lost a friend or you're motivated to just do your part in that fight, that's next level. That's an even smaller group. So to have this sort of like little army of people who just are making, a, it's a little army, but we're making massive impact. So I feel lucky. When we come back for our final round, we'll talk more with Halvo about being a member of the Haymakers for Hope board, how the organization impacted him as an executive after the bell, and why he thinks you should sign up to fight. Not Every Fight Ends at the Bell is presented by Haymakers for Hope. Did you know there's more to Haymakers than just boxing? We also have opportunities for you to lace up your sneakers and run a marathon with Team Haymakers or grab your clubs and play in one of our golf tournaments. Visit haymakersforhope.org for more. Round three. So, John, do you still box? Do you still train? No, I, so I still box. I was really intent on I really got back into it over the pandemic. Mm -hmm. It was just one of the few things that you could just really always go to. I find it to be part of just my regimen of how I stay healthy. I always get motivated right around Haymaker time when we start recruiting the new guys in New York. So, you know, I can hear the music in the background, my training music, and I go, do, 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 like, get out the hand wraps. <laughs> Amy, where's my gloves at? You know, like, let's go out and go. And I live on Water Street. I live right down the street from Gleason. So I, I never have any excuse just to pop down the street and, you know, just go a few rounds. And it's it's just something you can always go back to just to mix up your workout. So 
am I in there, you know, six days a week and doing all my road work? No, I, I, but it's just given me a lot of skills and it's always just part of a really just healthy lifestyle. And I think it's just made me think differently about it. You know, when I used to think boxing, I thought about brawling or these physically, you know, and like, and now I just really appreciate, you know, what a great workout it is, what a great sport it is. I understand it so much better. And, you know, I just think it's just amazing. And it's just, it's a very positive part of my life. And I would just tell you, I mean, my coach had all the little quips and they stick to me with this, you know, like, you know, like, all, like the lion's not afraid of the, is afraid of the whip. He's not afraid of the hammer. You know, like inch by inch, everything's a cinch. Are you devastated? Do you need to go to the hospital? I mean, like literally everything I learned inside a boxing gym about discipline, technique being everything. The coaches are such interesting people and give you skills that don't just help inside a, a little ring. But I mean, I repeat those quips every single day. It makes me a better leader, a better executive, just a better, more interesting human. So speak a better executive. What is it that you do? So I'm the SVP of Consumer Experience at Mondelez International. We make Oreo, Cadbury chocolate. So I'm in charge of advertising. Okay. So I run media investment, uh, creative agencies, e-commerce, production. So in my day-to-day job, like I'm a marketing guy. Okay. So I do marketing on a day-to-day basis. I'm in charge of investing a little over $1.3 billion in working media and have a team around the world that I, I support. What do you find, and this might be a repetitive question, but what do you find rewarding about being on the board? I think I just get a chance to just keep helping. I mean, it's probably, again, with the organization, I find it's one of the few places I spend my time I get that 10x return on my time. And it's very rare that you find organizations where when you give when you give an hour, it feels like it makes 10 hours of impact. Mm-hmm. And because the org is so good. And it just allows me to keep getting that high multiple return on my time. And I think whether it's me going to new events and seeing people going on that journey, whether it's going and checking out some people in the gym who are sparring because I can be eyes on the ground in New York, Or it's just, you know, just the joy of spending time or being a sounding board for the exec team as they're thinking about, should we expand to this city or that city? I I think that I get real joy because I find that I make a difference. And I feel the conversations are better because the board is there. But it's also the reward you get of working with highly talented, highly capable management team. And so I think it's like the best startup I work with. And I think that's super rewarding. And and it's a, a startup that's not measured on financial return, but impact on a on a disease. And I think that has to make you feel awesome mm. about how you're spending your time. Because no, very few things will give you the re- multiple on time and make an impact in the world. And I, I find that just to be super rewarding. Like I slept Oreos during the day, but ultimately I, I find that my value or like where I get to make a different, a real bigger difference in the world that I can feel great about is through Haymakers for Hope. And what would you tell someone? So let's say someone came to you and they were thinking about signing up. Why should someone sign up for Haymakers? I think that it's a journey. I think, first of all, I asked you, why are you doing it in the first place? And I think if you're trying, most of us come to this with a personal reason and cause, and it's a connection to this disease. And I think if you are trying to make an impact on cancer, there's no organization that's going to give you a better return on your time. I think two is you will be forever changed for the time you spend with this organization. You will be better for it. 
you will be a better human, a better person, a better leader, a better executive, a better significant other. How many things give you that? And third is, I think you're just going to walk away with an amazing lifelong skill. I think that literally you're going to have something that you will be able to carry with you throughout life. And yeah, some of that's about the boxing, but I think more of it's about the knowledge, footwork, agility. Like this is just something you're going to have with you for life. And people think boxing is a very limited thing, but I can tell you just watching my coach and seeing what he's doing decades after starting in the sport tells me that this is not a limited thing. This is going to be part of my, my life. And I will say, are you open to having your life changed? Do you want to make a difference? Do you want to be a part of something that's going to give you the best return on your time? This will be demanding, but you will get the return on your time. And there are very few things in this world that will give you that. We hear the word journey a lot and we use the word journey a lot. And I think it's really hard for somebody who hasn't done haymakers or, or, or done, especially, or, or, or done boxing before, that they actually do go on, go on a journey in these four months. You learn so much about yourself. If you could tell someone who is about to start training one thing, what would you tell them? No one has ever gotten to fight night and been sad that they spent that extra hour in the gym. And I would tell you, for each one of those jabs, send one email asking your friends for donations because that will make your commitment that much deeper because you got one more person who is backing you. You have one more person showing up. So train that extra hour and also send that extra email because both of them are going to only make you better prepared, deepen your commitment, increase your impact, and make your experience that much better. We do have one final question. Yep. Why should someone sign up to participate? I, I just think it's, I think the word is just transformation. I think you can make impacts and it's transformational. You will make huge impacts on a cause that you care about because otherwise you would have never found out about us and never ended up on our door and even be thinking about it. And you will be truly transformed by the process in ways that I can't, I could try and talk about for, for weeks or months and I wouldn't even be able to communicate as fast as you going on that four-month journey. But I promise you, the second time you walk out of that gym, you are changed forever. And that change only accelerates the fourth time, the fifth time, the 20th time, the 100th time. And I don't think there's that many things in this world that you can do this late in your life that will transform you that much. I would benchmark us up against anything. And I don't know if you'll ever get that same amount of impact and transformation. John, I'm really glad that I got to talk with you. I really enjoyed your fight. I thought your match was really well done. You're a really good boxer. And your quote of cancer is a word, not a sentence, really, that really affected me. And it was really something that I, I had felt but hadn't really been able to kind of verbalize. So it was really... The story behind it, like I, I, that I won't forget. And the sentiment around it, I think I, I, I learned something today. So I really appreciate you. I really appreciate your time. I really appreciate your dedication to everything that Julian Andrew and just the entire Haymakers organization has set out to do. You're a real embodiment of 
the whole point of all this. So thank you. Look, I appreciate the compliment so much. I'm glad I could pass on the great lesson that my the, me losing my my colleague, my mentor, gave me. And uh, I'm very much indebted to the Haymaker organization when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to be and what I wanted to do. And I think it just really gave me something. I mean, I was working a job full time. I was getting my EMBA and I, I was training for boxing. Everyone thought me was nuts. And I was like, listen, if I have to drop one thing, it's, it's not going to be the boxing part. I think it just gave me real regimen and discipline in a time where, you know, it's just amazing what you will make time for. I'm studying 30 hours a week. I'm working a full-time job. And, but I'll be damned if I wasn't going to, you know, be in that gym. And it's just, it's, it motivates you. I mean, the cause motivates you, the organization motivates you. Cause I was just like, if I don't do this now, I don't know if I'll do this later. And it was just, you know, it might not have been the right, I quote unquote, ideal timing as you lay it out in a perfect calendar, but it was the absolute right timing to help me on my journey and what I needed in that moment. I probably didn't even realize it when I started. And, but it was absolutely that. And I, and I'm just so appreciative to the team and everyone else. And I think that's probably why they, they feel that about me because they gave me their best and I try and give them my best back. And that's what they deserve every time. So I hopefully give it and we go from there. We're lucky to have you. Thank you for taking the time to listen. We're grateful for your support. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow the podcast and tell a friend. To donate, sponsor, attend an event, or better yet, sign up to fight to KO cancer, visit haymakersforhope.org. Not Every Fight Ends at the Bell is presented and produced by Haymakers for Hope in partnership with Studio Pod Media. Our producers are former fighters Jordan McMillan and Julian Lewis. I'm Julie Kelly. And I'm Todd Buster Paris. You've been listening to Not Every Fight Ends at the Bell.